Lovely. Well, here we are at the start of a new series in Acts. And um, this chapter is brilliant. And I think we could probably do a, a whole series just on this one chapter. But I'm going to have to be very restrained this evening. So I'm not going to do anything. We're just going to get straight down to it this evening. Um, so here's, here's where we're going this evening. I think verse 6, the question that the disciples ask is a really, really interesting question. And I think getting our heads around what was in their heads when they asked this question to Jesus will help us to unlock the whole of the passage. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at uh, that question that they asked and we're going to then use that as the framework for unpacking Jesus' answer to them. Um, so that's essentially what we're going to be covering. And, and the big thing, if you like, for, for this evening, uh, and I guess for the whole of the series as we look at look Acts, is that we come with our own agenda sometimes when it comes to, to mission. And our agenda for mission is wrong. Uh, it's, and what Jesus says to us here is that it's not about us, it's all about him. And actually, he equips us to witness about him everywhere. And so he equips us by his Holy Spirit to witness about him everywhere. So that's what we're going to see as we go through um, this passage tonight. But when you come to a, a new book of the Bible, it's always useful to, to look at what the writer of the book says about his book in the first place. Um, and Acts is actually part two of Dr. Luke's um, seminal works. Luke and Acts um, should be together, really. I don't know why they prompt John in between them, but um, maybe you can ask Peter or Daniel that afterwards. They might be able to help you with that one. But uh, if you could flick to Luke chapter 1, first of all. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to try and keep it pretty interactive tonight, just to keep you on your toes. Um, so Luke 1. Just have a look at those first four verses. Luke says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So just um, shout out, I'll just, I've got a couple of questions. Looking at those verses, um, what does Luke tell us about his, his purpose for writing the, the Gospel of Luke, just in those, those first four verses, what does he say he's trying to do? Write an yeah. Write an orderly account? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what do we know about Luke? Um, maybe not just from these verses, but from what we've been picked up elsewhere. What do we know about it? Yep. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like a modern day um, documentary writer or some investigative journalist, he's spent time going round interviewing people, getting their eyewitness accounts. And I mean, as we said, he's a very educated man. Apparently, his Greek is excellent. I have no idea what that means. Or <laughs> again, but there we go. Um, so he's a very educated guy. He's a doctor. So presumably when they're going on missionary trips and he could probably help them out with um, their bunions on their feet and all the rest of it. Um, whatever, or the thorn in the slide side perhaps as well. But um, yeah, so Luke is an intelligent guy and uh, he's writing this account for most excellent Theophilus. And I guess we don't know too much about who this chap is. He's probably a very influential Roman guy. Um, and he's probably bankrolling Luke, spending the years that it would have taken him to, to travel around, to interview people, to get their accounts, and to put it together in an orderly fashion. And so if this high-ranking Jewish, uh, well, not Jewish, um, Roman official is bankrolling this, he's going to want to make sure it's, it's not done by some numpty by someone who's got his head screwed on and is going to do a good job. So I think we can be fairly confident that Luke has done his homework and just as he said, is putting together an orderly account um, so that we may know the certainty of the things that we've been taught. But let's um, flip back to Acts chapter 1. And did you notice in verse 1, let me just read that again, what he says. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Um, That's interesting that he chooses to use that word. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. So Acts, therefore, is what Jesus did next. uh, Which is is really important for us as we uh, get our heads around what what this series is going to be about and what this whole book is about. Um, See, for Luke, the the account that he'd written in Luke's Gospel was just the beginning of Jesus' ministry and, and, uh, and work. Acts is what Jesus continues to do next. Um, so that's, that's um, huge for us to keep in our, our heads as... Um, as we go forward. But uh, we need to crack on with the passage that we're, we're looking at. So, what we're going to do first of all is, is have a think about what's going on in the disciples' minds when they ask this question in verse 6. So verse 6, um, it's, it's been an amazing 40 plus days for these guys. Just think of of all that's happened um, during that time. Uh, and here they are with the risen Lord Jesus again. And they, uh, when they meet together, they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
interesting question that, that they ask. Um, and actually, what's in, in their mind, let me turn this on, it's clear that in their mind, they're thinking of God's kingdom in terms of um, political power, um, and they've got a very kind of narrow, insular focus, and their time scale for when this kingdom is, 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 is to come to pass is, is right now. It's, it's immediate. I guess, in some ways, we can understand how they could be thinking along those lines. Because throughout the, the Old Testament, a political military nation state has, has always been what God's people was about. Um, there's just story after story of, of conquest and, and exile for God's people. And then there's promises of a king who would come from David's line who would reign forever. So in these guys' minds, they are thinking, well, when Jesus is talking about a kingdom and, and here he is, the risen Lord, here he is talking about the Spirit being um, given to them and poured out, they're again thinking along all that they've heard in the Old Testament and kind of trying to draw the dots together and in their minds their agenda is about a political power essentially they're asking are you going to establish a military political nation state to kick out the Romans and to give us back our sovereignty as, as the kingdom of Israel so I think in some ways we can, we can understand that's, uh, that's where they're coming from. I've got just a quick clip for you now. Uh, yeah, great clip from um, the life of Brian. What have the Romans ever done for us? And uh, so that's the Judean people's front, or the, the people's front of Judea. I, I get confused. But essentially, yeah, I mean, that clip makes it pretty clear. The, Ro- the Roman Empire was pretty amazing. If you just think about it, that this, the span of years that 
it's, um, it was going strong and the amount of land that it covered and all those amazing things that it brought, it brought in. But at the same time, there were loads of people who hated the Romans and wanted them out. Um, there would have been lots of similar groups of the Judean people's front plotting different ways of, of getting rid of the Romans. And so we can understand the disciples being right along in that same mindset, thinking we need to kick the Romans out and we need God to, to re-establish um, the, the Israel as, as a political nation-state. So again, their question reveals their agenda for God's mission. See, in their minds, um, it's all about political military power, creating a, a nation-state again. Their, their focus of it is it's very insular, very narrow, just focused on, on them and in that particular part of the world at that particular time. And again, we want it now. That's what their, their question is, uh, is going on about. But Jesus' answer is in uh, verses 7 and 8. He said, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So again, this morning, I don't know if, um, if all of you were, were there this morning, but just a few chapters earlier than this, in, uh, in John 18, Peter read out some words of Jesus at, uh, at his trial before Pilate. Verse 36 of John 18 what Jesus says my kingdom is not of this world if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews but now my kingdom is from another place so effectively what Jesus says first of all is that you're looking to the wrong power and you're after the wrong goal my kingdom is not of this earth, Jesus says at his, his trial. And what he says is that the, the, the Holy Spirit will equip and enable you to witness about me. And actually that's what the, the, this kingdom is, is all about. Um, so again, if you just want to flick back a few more pages, let's, I want us to just spend a bit of time looking at Jesus' teaching about the Holy Spirit. So John 14. So in John 14 and um, John 16, we get Jesus' teaching about the Holy Spirit, who he is and what his role is. Um, so just on your tables for a moment... Have a look through um, some of those key passages that talk about the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and um, just, yeah, have a look. What, what, is, what does Jesus say the Holy Spirit is going to do? 
Um, so some key verses to have a look at would be um, in chapter 14, have a look at verses 15 and 16 onwards. Um, so verse 16 in particular, verse 26 of, of chapter 14. So chapter 14, verse, verse 16, verse 26 in particular maybe. And then in chapter 16, have a look at verses uh, 5 to 11. As well. So just on your tables, have a look at those verses and maybe other verses that, that surrounding that talk about the Spirit and just say, what does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit and his role? Okay, if I could um, call us back together. So what are some of the things Jesus teaches in these chapters about the role of the Spirit? <coughs> again, again, we could do a whole <coughs> ten-week series on this, and I've given you three minutes. But, um, but what are some of the things that you drew out? Yeah, help her in the way of truth. Yeah. 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 Convicts the world of guilt. Yeah. So we're not on our own. Yeah. Well, the word used to to talk about the, the spirit that Jesus uses in uh, fourteen verse sixteen. I mean, it's interesting that Jesus says, "I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Counselor to be with you." And now that word Counselor is uh, translated differently in diff- different versions, partly because there's not an English word that adequately sums up all the different aspects to it. So there's counsellor, there's helper, there's comforter, there's advocate. Um, what it literally means is, is someone who comes alongside. Um, and it's interesting, Jesus says, the Father will send you another counsellor, helper, another, literally another person to come alongside. 
So he's going to be like Jesus in his role, um, but not like Jesus at the same time. And I think if we were to to summarise Jesus' teaching on the Spirit, uh, we could say that he's a revealer of truth. He reveals the truth about us. He brings conviction of our sin. Um, And he reveals the truth about who Jesus is. Uh, If you like, he illuminates Jesus to our hearts and, and to the world. Um, so back to, to Acts. Verse 8 of chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is saying to these first disciples that in their agenda for, for God's mission, that's wrong Um, they're looking for the wrong power it's not political power it's not might Um, and they're after the wrong goal as well Um, but it's yeah just amazing truths here amazingly encouraging for us when it comes to evangelism Um, we're not on our own when it comes to evangelism the Holy Spirit is the one that does the, the, the inward work in hearts and minds. He's the one that brings conviction of sin. He's the one that reveals and illuminates Jesus to hearts and minds. It's not just down to us. It's, it's, it's all about him and he calls us, he invites us to partner with him in that work. And again, did you see what what Jesus says? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. It's that simple, evangelism. (laughs) And I think what we tend to do is make it much more complicated than it needs to be. And we lose sight of the fact that, that we go and we speak in, in the strength of the Spirit and not in our own strength. Um, when I first became a Christian uh, at, at school, I, I, I remember um, spending a lot of afternoons in the sixth form common room speaking to a guy called Chris, who was in the year above me and was a very convinced atheist. Um, and we basically had arguments, really, about creation and evolution and I'm no scientist by any stretch of the imagination Um, so quite regularly we would meet up and spend ages just talking round in circles and all the rest of it and and my one regret from that time is that I never moved on to Jesus I never moved the conversation and just witnessed to who Jesus is and what he'd done in my life Um, because in my mind evangelism was about me trying to come up with clever ideas to to convince Chris that it was all true and that he needed to to be saved and so there was me trying to do it with my own um, arguments and my own strength Um, 
So I think actually that's a big thing for, for lots of us, that we make evangelism, we make mission out to be something more complicated than it actually is. Jesus says all we need to do is be his witnesses. And actually we're not alone as we do that task. We've got the help of his spirit, whose very role is to witness to Jesus as well. Um, so I don't know, as, as we did that exercise at the beginning, thinking about evangelism and negative and positive stereotypes, um, I don't know how you feel when you know there's going to be a talk on evangelism, whether it's just kind of guilt and fear and that type of stuff creeps into your mind. Uh, certainly used to with me. But that was because I had a wrong understanding of what it was all about. I'd made it out to be something much more complicated than it needed to be. And I thought it all was dependent on me, on my abilities as a speaker or as a, someone to um, answer questions and that kind of thing. And I think when it comes to mission and evangelism, there's a couple of responses that we can have sometimes. On one hand, we can think, well, God is really lucky to have me on the team. Um, look at all that I bring to the things. Uh, I'm going to convert the, the whole of my workplace. Um, on the other hand, the, the other extreme is that we think, well, God couldn't possibly use me in the task of evangelism. What, what, what do I know? I can't answer people's questions. But I think what we see here is that we can't say either of those things. Neither of those things are true. And I remember again at um, university, uh, there was one story that just really brought this home to me in a really powerful way. Um, a good friend of mine, um, a guy called Russell, uh, is a lovely Christian guy. Um, socially, he may be a bit awkward at times. Um, but uh, Russell lived with a guy called Rich for uh, most of his time at, at uni. And um, just, yeah, over, the, over about 18 months or so, uh, Rich saw in Russell uh, just him quietly and faithfully just witness to Jesus. Um, Russell isn't the most dynamic of people that you'll ever meet, um, but just had a real heart for Jesus and just quietly and faithfully lived his life for his glory and just quietly witnessed to Jesus uh, uh, when he could. And Rich just was blown away by that, by the by the transformation Jesus had made on, on Russell's life. And just gradually over time um, started asking Russell questions and started coming along to things that the CU put on. And over time, the Spirit just brought conviction in his heart and revealed Jesus to him and Rich became a Christian. Um, and that's the way it should always be. Uh, when it comes to evangelism. Um, it's not about us trying to have to do amazing things to be dynamic, full of faith, people with prophetic insights into people's hearts and lives and minds. It's just about us quietly witnessing to
to Jesus, uh, what he's done in our lives and um, the difference that he makes to us um, day by day and trust that, that God by his spirit will do the inward work in hearts. So I guess as we think about this, we need to ask, well, what's our agenda? What's the agenda we bring to God's mission? What are the things that, that we're relying on? What's the power that we're trusting in to make an impact in our friends' lives? And, or as a church, what is it that we're relying on? What is it we're trusting in? to make an impact in, in East Oxford? Um, is it not clever programmes? Um, it's a big question for us to, to think about. What is it that we preach and speak about? In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5, Paul said that he resolved to know nothing while he was with them except Christ and him crucified. So maybe one practical thing that you can do maybe later today or tomorrow or some point this week is to to have a think about your story, about what it is that Jesus has done in your life, how it was that you came to know him in a personal way. It may be like me, you can't pin that down to a specific time and date um, but it's, it's a great uh, exercise to sit down and maybe just write out, here's my story. Um, think about a beginning and a middle and an end to it. Think about what you were like before you became a Christian. Think about what it was, what are some of the, the things that, that got you thinking um, about Christian things. And then think about well, what is it, what did, how did it happen that I um, became a Christian in the end. It's just such a, a really useful tool in evangelism. Um, and it can come up in all kinds of situations and uh, yeah, wherever we find ourselves. So maybe that's a practical thing we can take away. Um, so that was the first thing Jesus was saying to them about their agenda for mission. Um, and uh, we'll quickly go through the next two. Now, so the second thing Jesus says to them is that actually... If you're thinking about a geographical, uh, political nation-state, your horizons for mission are way too small. Look what Jesus says. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem was the city that they're in, Judea was the country that they were in. Samaria represented the, the, uh, well, their enemies, almost. Those who were completely culturally different to them. Those who were openly hostile towards them. And the ends of the earth represents the ends of the earth. <laughs> now that would have really just blown the minds of these disciples. This is... There's no Twitter, there's no EasyJet. It's not <laughs> now how on earth are they going to get to the ends of the earth with, with the gospel? I mean, this would have just blown their minds. 
as they were thinking. Because, again, they're, in their minds, they've got a really narrow, insular focus. And so I guess it's a challenge for us as we think those, through those areas. Are we too narrow, too insular in our focus? Are we just focused on our city? Are we thinking beyond to our country? Are we thinking beyond that to those who are culturally completely different to us? Maybe openly hostile towards us? Are we thinking to the ends of the earth as well? I think sometimes throughout history in, in uh, church circles, we've tended to think that actually you start with the city and then when you've reached the city, then you move on to your country. And then once you've reached your country, then you move on to those that are culturally completely different to you. And then after you've done that, then you move out to the ends of the earth. But when do you ever fully reach your whole city? When do you fully reach your whole country? It's all of those things at the same time in Jesus' minds. Oh, we can be so narrow sometimes in our thinking and uh, in our focus. So how can we tell if we're being too narrow, if our focus isn't broad enough, both individually and I guess as, as a church as well? How can we tell if that's the case? Well, I would suggest actually there's a couple of areas we can look at to give us a really good indication of this. One of them is, is our prayer life. Because actually what we pray about reveals what's really going on in our hearts. And the other area is our giving, our money, where we spend our money. So I guess at the, with a financial year coming up again and as we look at the budget... Um, what percentage of our budget is focused just here on Oxford and ministry in the city here? What percentage of it is focused on the rest of the world? What percentage of it is focused on those that are completely culturally different to us or openly hostile to us? And in terms of the things that we pray through and pray for regularly, how broad are our horizons when it comes to our prayers. Well, I guess just like for those first disciples, um, perhaps we need to be stretched and shaken out of our comfort zones. Because again, in their agenda, they want to bring the... Uh, they want God's kingdom to come now. They don't want to wait for it. They want it to be here and now. And we can be like that too. We want God's kingdom to come in, in our way and in our time. But Jesus says it's not for us to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And actually, if you trace through the book of Acts, how the gospel is spread throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Um, just flick over with me to Acts 8, verse 1. Interesting symmetry there. <laughs> Acts 1, verse 8. 
talking about the gospel going to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. Acts 8 verse 1. We get the answer of how that starts to happen. On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. It's interesting. Again, just the disciples' agenda was that they wanted God to do his mission um, in their way and in their time. But Jesus says, it's not for you to know the the times and the dates. Uh, Jesus says, actually, the Father is in charge. He's sovereign. He's in control of what's happening. And look, this as we will go through the the book of Acts, we'll see that actually God can even use persecution um, and suffering to bring about his good purposes of getting the gospel out uh, through the world. So that wouldn't have been at all what these first disciples would have expected. Um, That would have really shaken them out of their comfort zones really got them thinking about um, about things. So maybe we need to be thinking about that too. Um, Does God need to shake us up out of our comfort zones? Are we just expecting God to be dancing to our tune, to the beat of our drum? Whereas what Jesus says to us here is that it's all about Jesus' mission and he's in charge and we just go along for the ride with what he's doing. He calls us to be his witnesses everywhere and not in our own strength but in his strength. So I thought um, just as we come to a close and uh, we looked at uh, these verses actually on Thursday morning. So uh, let's turn up John 15. And just um, spend a couple of minutes on your own having a look at verses 1 to 8. And just have a think and a pray about how you're doing at remaining in Jesus. What would it look like for you this week to remain in Jesus? So maybe just take a few moments on your own to have a think and a pray about those those, uh, verses and then maybe have a chat with people around you afterwards about that too Um, but we'll we'll finish there for this evening